From the San Diego Convention Center in San Diego, California, this is the ASN Kidney Week 2018 podcast, a discussion of the latest scientific and clinical advances presented at this year's meeting. Hello, my name is Marco Cusa. I'm the president of the American Society of Nephrology, and welcome to Kidney Week 2018, and also welcome to sunny San Diego. I'm pleased to be joined with three of my esteemed colleagues to discuss the events of the first day of our annual meeting in San Diego. So why don't you introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about your background so we can take this into perspective. John? Thanks, Dr. Cruz. I'm John Roberts. I'm a assistant professor at Duke University. So um, clinically, I'm a transplant nephrologist and I spend most of my time and uh, research time uh, in medical education, sort of studying uh, new and innovative ways to teach nephrology and physiology to medical students and residents. And uh, I like to draw and make videos. So a lot of my stuff revolves around technology and using drawings and videos. I'm Danishka Mahatage. I'm a second year nephrology fellow this year at Duke University. I actually came to nephrology and medicine via public health, so that's really, I think, informed why I fell in love with nephrology and wanted to practice nephrology clinically. Uh, It is all related to the fact that our field, CKD and transplant, uh, is burgeoning with disparities, and so my clinical interests are in general nephrology, but research interests are in health inequities in CKD and transplant. I'm Catherine Godson from uh, University College Dublin, and I uh, lead a research group. We have a particular interest in diabetic complications and in diabetic kidney disease in particular, and in inflammation. And my group has uh, clinical fellows and basic scientists, so we're quite translational in our approach. Terrific. So we have areas of interest that are quite diverse, from education to clinical nephrology to basic biology. So I think that's great. So I'd like to ask what your thoughts are about the meeting. Well, if I can say, as having been to several ASNs, uh, I think it is really inspirational how there's always something in it for everybody. So as I said, I have people from my lab that are here. So there's some clinical fellows, some PhD students, and then more established investigators. And there's really something for everybody. And I wasn't able to go to the basic research course because of other commitments but uh, one of the fellows from my lab went and they were blown away and particularly they really appreciated how there was diversity in the presenters. It wasn't only the very established big names, it was also more junior people and they were really inspired by that. They sort of felt that there were clinical researchers doing basic research absolutely not at the periphery so that they were really inspired and then I thought that if I may say. Your presentation this morning was really fantastic. It was really motivational and it was really interesting how it mirrored very much what came next about biochemistry being superseded by molecular biology and then uh, 100 years after the last advance in microscopy, this huge leap forward. So I, I don't know if you planned it that way, but it, it was really remarkable. I thought it was oh yes, great. it was all planned. <laughs> good. No, it, it was really... Um, uh, thank you for those Yeah, comments. no, it was good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in an unbiased comment, I mean, if... if you weren't here, we'd still be saying uh, an amazing introduction in a speech, and then, then Kidney X was announced, and then the uh, state-of-the-art lecture was amazing. So it's kind of the thing, you had to be there to see the movies and the images that really yes. popped, and just, it was amazing to see everything move on the screen. But it's also, I thought, like really good example role modeling for anybody getting going as a scientist or a clinician scientist as to how important collaboration is 
how important basic science is, how you know the technologies in a vacuum wouldn't have amounted to much. It was only when the people started to, to speak to each other and when he was able to address you know the kind of questions that we're more interested in. I thought it was really inspirational from, from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, other general thoughts? I, I too thought your talk was so inspiring as a fellow and someone who's trying to get excited about the future uh, in nephrology and what it holds for us, I think, speaking to the past, present, and the future, and speaking directly to uh, recruitment into the field and what's exciting and kind of what's on the horizon was a wonderful start to the day. I, I tried to go around to a range of different things and uh, from transplant to CKD-related talks, I think uh, mirroring your comments, the diversity not only in the presenters but in the topics, everything from the bench to translational research has been represented already and haven't even finished the entire day yet. Uh, seeing talk so it's been fabulous as a fellow very very exciting and career affirming oh that's great well thank you I think those comments hit the nail right on the head in terms of where we're going from past to the future about the trainees when you think about it I've met a lot of stars students uh, who are here and uh, they are so excited to be here and what's beautiful about that was they had seven or eight of them plus they had a mentor there with them and the mentors were people who were truly excited, people who actually are extremely busy. Uh, they were there mentoring them. They were very senior people who um, have this extraordinary passion to be with uh, students and to ensure that they have a good experience here at the American Science Nephrology Kidney Week. So I think this is really exciting. Is there anything in particular about any of the sessions that you might want to comment on? Here, I have, I have one question for the group. So at the State of the Art, or the plenary session, so with Dr. Betzig, he showed lattice light sheet microscopy. I had to write it down to make sure I retained it. But basically this amazing way to sort of visualize cells and molecules in motion. I just want to know from y'all, like, imagine you had like a day with him and his microscope, what part of the kidney you want to throw under the microscope, right? Because he showed neurons and uh, what else did we see? We saw mild mouse cortex and we saw all sorts of Drosophila. So what about the kidney? Maybe an SGLT2-treated <laughs> kidney versus a control to see what really happens with lamerulus and response okay. and high well, glucose. It's really interesting. You know, he talked about bacteria, the brain, mm. um, his high-resolution, super-resolution microscopy. And he talked about this one concept, uh, one method called expansion microscopy. Oh, with and the water. what that is is that you take tissue and you infuse it with certain material that everything is intact and the relationships between other molecules are intact, but it's blown up. And so everything is much more visible. And when I talked to him, he said, you know what, I didn't realize there were 850 million people in this world with kidney disease. I hadn't even thought about working with the kidney but I need to. <laughs> so I think that you're going to see Eric Betzig start working on the kidney and uh, I think that we'll have a better understanding of the uh, molecules within single cells of the kidney and what they do. I find that very exciting. And I, I was talking to a microscopist the other day who does very high-tech work as well and they started explaining that you know as the basement membrane gets wider 
how the cells that are supposed to be surrounding it just can't, they don't have the same trophic contacts. And he said, it's what happens in the brain with astrocytes. Mm. And so it's, I was just thinking as he was speaking today, he could look at the same sort of things. One of the things that I think is going to be exciting is the kidney precision medicine project. Whereas, and I, I mentioned this before, is that we tend to take kidney, we grind it up, and we get an average gene expression. Mm. But what this is going to do is allow for sequencing, single RNA sequencing within individual cells that allows us to really identify where the problem is perhaps and, uh, and the location of, of where these problems are so that we can really devise specific therapies. So what's interesting is that the work is going to be really unprecedented in the in information that we get. So we start with Eric Betzig's single molecule, single cell imaging to Aviv Raghav tomorrow in her state-of-the-art lecture on the human atlas, where we're going to understand more about single cells. And then we're going to move into translational work by Griff Rogers, the director of NIDEK, who's going to talk about his discovery and translation of hydroxyurea in sickle cell disease. And then we move on to population health with Rob Califf, who is the uh, former commissioner of the FDA. So I think that they're all lined up to give us a broad perspective of the importance of different areas of medicine. I really enjoyed the new diabetes drugs on the kidneys, the discussion of the mechanisms. I thought it was really interesting the way the incretin, targeting the incretin system that had the DPP-4 inhibitors aren't anything like as effective as the GLP-1 receptor mm -hmm. agonists. And there was so much dispute over you know, the last few years as to whether there, there were receptors, whether the GLP-1 receptor was in the kidney, and now seems to absolutely be there. And as the speaker was saying, it's sort of like reverse engineering from a really positive clinical trial to now try and work out the mechanism as po which she was very much promoting the idea that it was based on inflammation and you know that they were essentially anti-inflammatory so I thought that was really interesting to go from actually the drug works to how does it work as opposed to the other way around. Can you tell us a little bit more about incretin and its mechanism? So well the way that the so the incretins stimulate insulin release so they're, they're an and the GLP-1 agonists were developed I would imagine I hope I'm not incorrect to supplement insulin release, but they found that they have these additional, they show cardiovascular protection, which really wasn't expected, that seems to be independent of their glucose lowering. And so in the kidney, they're all, they also seem to be protective. So looking at albuminuria is protected and then functional protection um, in terms of GFR. So it now would appear, we also know from the cardiovascular system that, for example, the GLP-1, the agonists, the, the different liraglutide is the one that I'd be most familiar with, that it, for example, can alter the macrophage phenotype. So from being an M1 to being more M2, which is, of course, a big simplification. But the idea now is that macrophages exist in very plastic states. And some are the classic ones you kind of would know about the inflammatory, but others are more pro-repair. So there seems to be a dynamism between these states, and it seems that liraglutide impacts on those. So mm -hmm. And John, you're a, you're a renal physiologist, and uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts in terms of SGLT2 mechanism and renal function? Yeah, um, it's obviously all, all the data is really exciting in terms of how it works, and obviously the uh, the mechanism is, is tantalizing in terms of thinking about mm -hmm. like the. Our body has this really robust way to hold on to glucose 
um, to hold on to energy. Like we don't want to lose that. We want to conserve it because we uh, obviously adapted in an environment where uh, we want to conserve every precious molecule we come into contact with. And now we have this environment where uh, we may have excess of some of these mm. things like uh, like glucose and carbohydrate and sodium. And so having this mechanism is really, really awesome. Uh, in terms of kidney function, obviously it's really exciting for all of us to see some of these outcomes in terms of slowing the progression of CKD and reducing albuminuria. And every time I, I bring this up, I, I, I get excited about using SGLT2 inhibitors in transplant specifically. And our pharmacists get all, uh, you know, they uh, wince a little bit at the idea of a higher risk of urinary tract infections or pyelonephritis. But I get super excited about this idea of controlling diabetes in a way that doesn't require high doses of insulin, maybe four or five mm -hmm. shots a day, because that's our default pathway, right? We default to high doses of insulin, and guess what? Our patients gain weight because we're, we're treating their diet and we're treating the sugar rather than sort of treating some of the underlying physiology. So I love SGLT2 inhibitors in terms of the physiology. Um, like because said, they, they make sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It just makes perfect sense. It's like, let's just, let's just you know, block the reuptake of glucose and waste it in the urine. That makes so much sense to me. We're, we're excreting the, the carbohydrate instead of forcing it into cells. And uh, I think patients would enjoy that. And also inhibiting RAS as well. Totally. Which yeah. seems to be the most intriguing aspect, isn't it? Yeah. So, so Dinashika, you're a second year fellow. How do you find the ASN Kidney Week? Uh, in terms of helping you in your career path? I think that it's the, the reason why I got excited about nephrology in the first place is demonstrated here in essentially what every, all of you are doing, right? There are phenomenal educators who are all over this conference who, as you mentioned, uh, are mentoring people actively. And I think the nephrology educators that I've been exposed to in, in medical school and through residency are so committed and devoted to teaching and so excited about what nephrology holds. Um, being able to actually go on one of the ASN poster tours this morning uh, through kind of a tour of AKI and uh, EPI was incredibly exciting and they, two, three big leaders in the field uh, in, in education were there guiding that tour. There were fellows and students on that. I thought that was fabulous. I think that uh, sessions like the best of C. Jason and Jason is a fabulous thing for fellows because you get kind of highlights of landmark trials, what is exciting, and from that new ideas you know, are generated. I think that uh, within each of the sessions I actually went to um, the clinical transplantation, what everyone needs to know, session, and it was broken up into immunosuppression and infectious disease and what are the benefits of the new allocation system. And so within that, in a 30-minute segment, a new fellow can see something really exciting, whether it's, you know, the advent of balatacept or the fact that disparities in race have been reduced with the new organ procurement allocation system. That is where I think the mind can start to churn as a new fellow and, you know, as somebody trying to figure out what a research pathway might look like. Um, exposure to so much diversity uh, in the presentations and uh, I, I think, again, the ongoing support of mentors and educators, the people who, uh, you know, inspired people like myself to get into nephrology in the first place is fabulous. So, Catherine, you're a part of the program committee. 
-hmm. And um, uh, they, it consists of both clinicians and scientists. How do you find the balance of programs, the balance of sessions with regards to the different areas of nephrology? To be really honest, I find it very good in terms of how much basic science is integrated into that. There isn't such a huge divide, and I think it's really important that there, you know, some, I think some learned societies take a very severe view of clinical and, and scientific and keep the two apart, but I think the, the strength of this meeting is that they're so well integrated. You know, I mean, so for example, that the new drugs, new drugs for diabetes in the kidney, that was actually in the basic science session, mm -hmm. even though it was predominantly a, around reporting from different trials, but it was still, it was really good, the, the perspective that was put on it, I think it's very, it's great. There's one thing that I really um, enjoy about the meeting, besides all the quality science mm -hmm. and the quality clinical and educational information, is the networking opportunity. It's amazing how you train with people, um, along, for me, a long time ago, and this is the one place we can get together and uh, not only talk about what we're doing, but, but also to catch up on family and things in, uh, of what's going on in the, at their institution. And it's just a, a wonderful opportunity to, to do those things. Is there anything else that, uh, that you all want to mention about Kidney Week or anything that uh, uh, interests you? Could it be a day longer? There's so <laughs> many, there's so yeah. many, conf I mean, you start at seven in the morning and you end at six and, and you need to do the networking as well, but there's just so much on at the same time. And the conflict is always, to, is it to go to something in your area or to actually go to something new? So it's kind of hard to balance everything, I think. So one cool thing I just came out of was, uh, I was hanging out in the salt and water rooms and uh, Ian's teats, he was giving his like salt and water talk and it was, it's really entertaining. And uh, the thing that brought this to mind, I was on a general medicine rotation a few weeks ago and uh, you know, the residents were asking about all this, uh, you know, related to salt and water balance and I sent them his TED talk. And so oh. maybe the listeners will wanna look this up, but uh, Ian's has a TED talk done in Nashville and it covers a lot of the stuff that he's presenting, you know, earlier today. But uh, it was standing room only in there. I think next year you'll need a, a bigger venue. But um, it's just it, it sort of upends the classical teaching about salt and water balance, where our, our textbooks are correct, but only on like day-to-day -day basis. So he had the opportunity to do studies with astronauts who were planning, you know, a trip to Mars and Russia. And so they were doing this sort of simulated trip to Mars where they were locked in a metabolic cage for 500 days. Oh. And so it provided the opportunity for long-term balance studies with salt and water and weight and urine output. So it was really awesome. Basically sort of everything you assume is like not the case on a long term. And apparently we go into sort of 50-day uh, cycles of retaining and uh, storing sodium and then excreting sodium and so it, it's really cool I recommend uh, watching that and then also seeing him talk if you can find room to sit <laughs> <laughs> no I heard his talk yeah. uh, before okay. and I thought it was very interesting and it is. Um, I was I always wondered how the subjects participated in this and collected samples every day for I don't know how many days but uh, maybe they thought hey this is something to do to pass the time you know if you're locked in a in a, a biosphere, so to speak, yeah. So the other question I have is, um, you have um, been working with the app and, uh, and the program book. What are your thoughts about that? The app is great. 
although it needs to understand that you can go to more than one lot of posters <laughs> in a two-hour session because it tells you, you know, you're already committed to 10 to 12 for this. But otherwise, it's great. It's very easy to use as a reluctant apper. We're saving paper at least, right? It used to we be the, the big, the big book. We would like to go green, so it's great. That's it. It's important, yeah, and it's also it's nice awesome, to yeah. have this when you're in a real rush, you know. Yeah, you're right. It gets upset when you try and click two things yeah. at the same time. <laughs> well, um, which is fine, but for posters, they need to understand you okay. can do more yeah, than yeah. ten. And they usually were hopping from one thing to another, like, "Ooh, I'm going to see the first half of this thing and yeah. the second half of that thing." But, but it's great. We love it. Yeah, we're it's good. organized beautifully. Very easy to use. Yeah, isn't it? Mm. So, kudos to whoever made it for us. Well, I tell you, I've, I've been walking around and I've seen um, sessions that are overflowing mm. and other sessions that were pretty c almost completely filled. So there seems to be a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz starting on day one. So I'm very excited uh, that this is going well. So I want to thank all of you for joining us in this uh, podcast. And I hope the rest of the meeting is exciting for you. Thank you. Thank sure. you. Thank, thank you very you. much. You have been listening to the ASN Kidney Week 2018 podcast. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology. Mm -hmm.